Amen. Go ahead and take a seat, y'all. Go ahead and take a seat. So Ben Franklin once said in an infamous statement, in this world, there are no exceptions. There are no certainties except death and taxes. And everyone in Bennington said, amen to the taxes part. We feel that for sure. But there's another certainty in life. And that is in this life, we will have troubles. Many upon many of troubles. James, follow with me. We're going to jump into the book of James. The apostle James writes this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, when, not if, but when troubles arrive at your doorstep. James is using the word when because troubles are inevitable. They eventually will reach you. And he says when. But there's another certainty in life with this. It seems like every time a trouble finishes within our life, the next one begins. And if you're like me, and I won't say that you are, it is so easy to go through life, trouble after trouble, trouble after trouble, and eventually get tempted into bitterness, into resentment, thinking, why is life so difficult? Why does life always have to be so difficult for me? Tempted into those things. But church, I want to offer us good news today. And the good news is that we can actually have a perspective that guards us from bitterness in troubles and promotes us getting better. It turns us away in troubles from getting bitter and turns us towards getting better. Would you care to know what that is this morning? Even if you said no, you're here already, you might as well just sit and enjoy what we're gonna talk about today. So let me get us back into the text, James 1 verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. James tells us to see our troubles with joy. Not with resentment, not with bitterness, but with joy. Why should we see our troubles with joy? It's because they have a purpose. The troubles that we go through have an aim in our life. They're not aimless. There is a universal reason of why troubles come our way. There is a purpose, and the purpose is, is that it is a test. The reason why we can see and not become bitter in our troubles is that because God defines it as a test, and if we pass the test, we will gain a precious commodity in life. Endurance. Endurance. The Greek word that James uses here for endurance is hupomone, which means the type of endurance that helps us not just run the race, but finish a marathon. That's the type of, and I don't know about you, but life surely is a marathon full of ups and downs and mundane moments. And God will use testings in order for us to be produced with endurance, more stamina, more want to, 
more mental toughness, more resiliency in Christ in order for us to run our marathons well. So God is going to use tests. He's going to use troubles in order for us to be filled more with the precious commodity of endurance. In today's text, Abraham is tested by God. And we will learn a few things about the testings. And at the end, we will see why Abraham passed his test. That will be the focus at the very end. And here's why that matters. Because the keys to him passing then are going to be the key for us passing our test now and every future test. And what's at stake in passing or failing tests is the difference between becoming bitter or becoming better. And by better, I mean having a better endurance, a better mental toughness in Christ, a better resiliency to live our born-again identities through the ups, the downs, and the mundane moments in life. Let's get into the text. You guys ready? You guys ready, church? Hey, I know it's hot in here, but you can respond when I invite you to. You feel me? Verse 1, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Tests are always, catch this, church, always about faith. Tests are always about, God didn't decide to test Abraham's knowledge about him. This wasn't a Q&A or Bible quiz for kids. He's testing his faith. He tests not what he knows about God, but if he trusts in God. It's not just, that God doesn't just save you and give you a born-again relationship and intimacy with Christ so that you just gain all this knowledge. No, he wants us to know the word of God so that we will be able to trust him. He wants us to know apologetics because he wants us to trust him more. He wants us to know his character because he wants us to trust him more. Are you tracking with me? Everything that we learn in our heads, he wants to use to stir our hearts in order to trust him more. And it's not just that, church. But tests reveal our current faith. It's not just that he used tests to test us and say, will you obey or not? But it actually reveals our faith, both the current location of our faith and also the current amount of our faith. So in other words, tests reveal if we're trusting in God or something else. And it also revealed to us how much faith we have in whatever we're trusting in. So church, every trouble we go through is meant to reveal and to test. What? Our faith. God wants to know our current faith condition. And then he's going to call, uh, through the testing, then he's going to call us, once he's revealed it to us, he wants to give us a godly sorrow, a love for him that will propel and promote us into greater obedience, greater faithfulness, more ability and want to to trust him in everything. This is important because it simplifies all of our tendencies to ask in the middle of testings, why? Why God? Why this? Why that? Why now? What's the purpose of this exact test after it followed the last one? And the universal answer for each and every one of us, the universal one biblically, is that it is for the purpose of revealing and testing our trust in God. Revealing where it is, 
and testing us if we were going to trust him more. This matters because if you're like me, too often I waste my time in the testing. Way too often. Thinking why, why, why? How could I have done something different? What's the purpose of this? When God truly wants us to just say, here I am, God, as Abraham did. Speak to me. I'll be obedient. And remember that this perspective that we're talking about of how tests have a purpose, they're going to protect us from becoming bitter from the testings when God produce, when God wants to produce better within our character, better endurance for the marathons that each and every one of us are reading. So let's read on in this situation because God uses the test of Abraham specifically with his faith as we follow along in verse 1. Yes, he replied, here I am, says Abraham. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son. That is the form of testing that he's going through. And it's not just his son. It's his only son. He had Ishmael before, but only son, meaning this was the promised son. Four chapters earlier, God promised Abraham and Sarah a baby from her dead womb, and here came Isaac. And that baby would end up fulfilling every promise that God made to Abraham 10 chapters ago. Originally, Abraham was a pagan dude, worshiping pagan gods. Gods of the, God of the Bible, Yahweh says, you, I'm choosing you, here are the promises. I'm going to make you a great nation. I am going to multiply your descendants, and I'm going to make you famous. And because of those three things in the promise, Abraham begins following Yahweh. In other words, Isaac's in this situation, and he gets this instruction from Abraham. And when Abraham says, I'm going to tell you, I'm sorry, when God says to Abraham, you are supposed to sacrifice your son, what's happening in Abraham's mind is, whoa, 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 God, are you serious? I, if I were him, I'd be tempted. Every reason why I've been following you hinges on Isaac having kids, and you're telling me to sacrifice him? And then I think to myself, whoa, 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 God. I remember 33 years ago when you made a promise to me and Sarah when Sarah couldn't have kids. Remember she even laughed? And then we ended up laughing because you got her pregnant miraculously through me. And now you're telling me to sacrifice my son? In other words, I'm painting this picture for us to say that what God was asking Abraham to do was no small thing. He's asking him to trust him with the most significant things in life. Church, God will trust our faith by making us, asking of us to trust him with the most significant things in our life. I've failed too many tests for me to just confess this morning. Too many tests I've failed. Too many times I've been stalled out and I've had to relearn lessons through multiple testings in different seasons. But one successful one actually resulted in this church plant. And for that, I am so grateful to God. You see, three years ago before City Light Bennington even began, God tested me personally 
with the most significant thing in my life, my marriage, meaning my bride, and my children. I sensed that God was taking our small group in a house and telling us to start a church with them and become a church plant. But the number one thing that, I, that made me hesitate, that kept me from actually obeying, was because I feared that it would cost my marriage and my children. I feared that starting a church, which I was coming out of a place of being a stay-at-home dad, I would get so caught up in that it would make me level down in my parenting to where my children would see that I love the church more than I love them, and then I would produce bitter kids towards God. I feared that getting consumed with this church plant by starting it would mean that I'd become less of a husband, that my marriage would end up faltering for it. And one morning I opened up my Bible to a random page and it landed on Matthew 10. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in this way and it says this, Jesus speaking, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. It was at that point that I knew that God was calling me to trust him with my bride and my children. And so I did. And a part of that blessing and passing that test are your butts in these seats to the glory of God. And the butts that have came after you and the butts that will be after but there's even greater blessing because I just chose to give in and trust God. And it's that my bride, my marriage, my children have been blessed beyond measure from obeying God. That we have received spiritual covering that's been supernatural and inexplainable, but for the hand of God and him telling us to do this by starting a church been blessed beyond measure so you never know what God will do with a testing that you're in and what long generational fruit that may come from it church God will test our faith by asking us to trust him with the most significant things in life having children with children grandchildren work financial means Whatever comes to mind, the most significant things in your life, you better start loosening your hand willingly or else it's going to hurt when God pulls that thing away. Let's read on to look at Abraham's response to God's test. Verse 3, the next morning Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and he took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. There was no sign of hesitation from Abraham. No sign of him saying, okay, God, I, I, hold on, hold on, hold on. Give me a little bit more understanding. He didn't debate with God. He didn't seek counsel from others when he heard God tell him to do something, which, by the way, is a wise thing. But when it causes you to stall, and it becomes a stalling tactic when you go to other people instead of just giving in to God, that becomes sin. We don't see any of that from Abraham. Abraham's obedience, it revealed, right, as we said earlier, that his trust was in God, which is impressive because he didn't understand the mind of God and the purpose of why he was supposed to sacrifice his son. 
God didn't say, hey, I'm testing you by telling you to sacrifice your son. It's a test. He didn't give him a warning. He didn't say to him, hey, I'm going to provide a ram in the thicket for you when the, at the last second when the knife's all the way pulled up. He doesn't let Abraham know any of that. Church, sometimes we're going to get in testings and we will be tempted to say this. Oh, God, God, let me, just give me more understanding. Hold on, God, do you really want me to do this? And we're going to begin to bargain with God. And then we're going to begin to hesitate obeying God because we want to understand everything. But is that really a test that produce a trust in God? That will be from our human side. God understands it. But praise the Lord, we have an example that it's doable. Abraham, no hesitation, just says, yes, God, here I am. My father-in-law, he is a Bible scholar in my book. And he surprised me one day by saying this to me. He said, the older I get, the more I become aware of how little that I know. But I trust him now more than ever. That was a testimony from a man who's been born again and been tested for decades upon decades upon decades. And sure, only between him and God knows how many, he, how many times he's hesitated, but I have not sensed that in him since I've known him from his 50s and in his 60s. Church, do not hesitate when it's our turn to be tested, to reveal where our faith is, how much of it is in God, and then to obey him. So let's read on finally to see why Abraham passed his test. Remember, the reason why we're going through this whole text and the number one key I want us to take away from today is that we would pass our tests, but everyone needs that one key ingredient. And Abraham's going to show us it here as we make our way through the rest of the text. Verse 4, on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here in the with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there. And then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? And here's the key. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. The reason why Abraham passed this test is because he knew God as provider. He knew God as Yahweh Yireh. He believed that God would provide not after the testing, not before the testing, but in the testing. So the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. So we're going to jump all the way forward to the New Covenant Scriptures over 2,000 years later. And we're get, <laughs> Hebrews 11 shows us exactly what Abraham was thinking in terms of God's provision in this situation. Look with me. Hebrews 11, verse 17 through 19. Abraham, who received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac. Even God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. In a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Abraham reasoned 
that if he actually came down with that knife, that God would resurrect his son from the dead, which is astonishing. Contextually, there had never been anyone who had risen back from the grave recorded in human history. What faith? And if we're tempted to think, that's unattainable. That guy has an imagination like no one's business. I do want to point out, it was not blind faith. It was very reasonable faith. This is my personal opinion on the matter. I'm speculating here, but I think that he had an idea of resurrection before. Because of a test that he went through 33 years prior. Sarah could not give birth to a child because of a dead womb, because of her age. And then God makes a promise to bring about a child from a dead womb, life from death. And God brings Isaac out of her womb, which was once dead. So I think in his mind, he thought, and bless the Lord for his trust in God, he thought God brought Isaac from a dead womb, surely he'll bring Isaac back from the dead. And it's just a small tidbit for us not to just hold up these, these heroes of the faith and say they are so otherworldly. But to say faith is, by, is not by sight, yes, but it is reasonable. When you're born again, there will be tests that you can look back on and say, why would God not show up in that way again? Church, God is our provider. Yahweh, Yahweh. The God who provided for Abraham is the same God who provided his son for our restoration, his word for our purpose, and his spirit for our empowerment. He's the same God who has come at our table, ate with us, visited among times when we needed help. He was our helper. When we were broke, he was our provider. When we were down and out, he was our fulfillment. When we were lonely, he was our companionship. He is every single thing that we've ever needed. It has not been other people. And bless the Lord for the purpose of the church. But it has been God and God alone who's provided for every one of our needs. Every one of our needs. So we can look back and say, God, you've provided for my freedom in the past when I was once a slave to sin. So now why would you not provide in this testing? And if you haven't seen it yet, Jesus has been throughout this whole text. Our provider has been through this passage the whole time. Let me open up our eyes real quick. Isaac and Jesus, Abraham's son and Jesus, share so many similarities. Isaac and Jesus are both around the same age of their sacrifice, approximately 33 years old. Isaac is referenced as Abraham's only son. Jesus is referenced to God's only son. The hill that Isaac was supposed to be sacrificed on is actually Calvary Hill, 2,000 years later, where Jesus was sacrificed as the perfect lamb. Isaac carried the wood on his back for his potential sacrifice. Jesus carried the wooden cross as he went to get slaughtered 2,000 years later. And on the third day, Isaac was supposed to be sacrificed well, Jesus ends up raising from the grave on the third day. The Bible is intellectually stimulating. It's not just a one-dimensional 
thing on a page, but it interacts with us. The Spirit of God just orchestrates these beautiful foreshadows and types that point us towards the goodness of God. That's how Isaac was a foreshadow of Jesus, who was the greater sacrificial lamb. Jesus provided the greatest need for our souls 2,000 years ago. Why would he not provide for our needs now? Amen, church? Let this be our confidence in our testing. And so for my friends who have not yet bowed the knee, surrendered your life to following Jesus, let him run your life, experience his forgiveness. God's been providing for you this whole time. In Deuteronomy, it says that he provides humanity the power to be successful. If you have any small increment of success in your life, <laughs> that's been your creator. And not only that, Matthew, Jesus ends up talking about how rain and sun, they both cover the righteous and the unrighteous. Even if you have not yet bowed your knee to Jesus, God has blessed you with general blessings, like breath in your lungs, like family that isn't that terrible, <laughs> like good relationships. There's so much providential love and blessing, even if you haven't followed Jesus yet. So here's my thing I want to give to you. Allow God then to fulfill your greatest need ever. Salvation. A relationship with Christ, your creator. By bowing your knee and allowing him to provide that for you. There's no greater day than today to actually do that thing. So I'm going to give you an opportunity today, friend, if you have not allowed Jesus to forgive you of your sins, what we're going to do is we're going to pray together. I just want you to hear that prayer, and then I'm going to pray it again. And if it resonates with you, then I'm going to ask you to just repeat after me. So let's just pray. For my friend who hasn't allowed Jesus to run your life, just pay attention. If these words resonate with your heart and you're like, yes, this is where I'm at, then I have more instructions for you. God, I have turned away from you. I confess that I've been running my life apart from you. God, I'm sorry for my sin, specifically of selfishness. I choose now, God, to turn away from running my life and I choose to follow you. I'm asking you right now, God, to forgive me of my sins. Provide that for me. And I am choosing to follow you, whether I know exactly what that looks like or not, the best way that I know how. So as everyone's eyes are still down, heads still bowed, I'm going to pray that prayer one more time. And if that resonated with you, friend, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, and this is the first time, and it resonates with you, I'm, you're going to repeat after me. You can do it in your thought life, in, the, in, in your heart. You can do it out loud. And at the end, we'll close. Jesus, forgive me for running my life apart from you. 
I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I choose to follow you the best way that I know how with all of my heart. I ask you right now to fill me with you, with your love, with greater desires for you. While all heads are still bowed and eyes still closed, friend, if that was the first time that you've ever prayed that prayer and meant it, while everyone's eyes are still closed, heads still bowed, I'm just gonna ask you to lift your eyes just so I can welcome you to the kingdom of God. Welcome, sister. Welcome. Welcome, brother. Welcome. God is going to, by the time you're 82, you'll look back and say, my life really began on May 21st of 2023. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Jesus, thank you so much for our new brother and sister in Christ and in the family. We praise your name for every good gift. You are provider. You provided salvation today, and you're going to provide that much more gifts as we continue to obey you in the testing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.